Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 105 at Edmonton Hour number 2 of Oilers Now. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Trusted by 630 Chet. Visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. In studio, Jack Michaels. You can text us on our Westlock Ford text line at 630-630. Go visit Paul Olson at Westlock Ford. We were out there about three weeks ago. And check out their website at westlockford.com. Worth the drive to get your new ride. It's Westlock Ford. Our uh, River Creek Resort and Casino hotline has April Wine, September 2nd, and Steve Earle and the Dukes, 30th anniversary of Copperhead Road on September 23rd. 30 years ago, uh, were you just finishing up? No, you were... were 30 years ago, I was in grade 9. Okay, longest three years of my life, but uh, I digress. So... Yeah, grade 9. So you remember Copperhead Road? Because that's like, you're... like you Would that have made its way down to the States? I'm not sure it would have. Well, he's American. Oh, is he? I'm pretty sure he's American. But isn't that a country song? It's... uh, Yeah, then I wouldn't have been listening to it. No, no, it's a hard rock song. I kind of remember that song, but I don't think it was big in the States. It wasn't that big? No. I feel like it wasn't. It wasn't that big in the States? I don't think so. Maybe educate the... I know you've talked about this a bit in the past, but the part of western Pennsylvania you're from, how close is that to Virginia? West uh, West Virginia. West Virginia, it's about two hours to the border. Okay. But it seems like... I would tell you that it feels like 12 hours. Really? Why is that? Well... You get into West Virginia, and let's just say you meet some interesting characters. Like, are we talking the sort of people that were extras in Deliverance type y- of people? Yes, I would say that's a fair <laughs> assessment. I mean, I'm, I, you know, it's got beautiful parts to that particular state, but I don't think any real Pennsylvanian would tell you you're in a hurry to get over to West Virginia. <laughs> so how many how many bumper stickers uh, would say uh, you can uh, take, uh, you can pry the gut out of my head from my dead cold body or something like, you know, that I, All I remember in West Virginia, there's a fair amount of, you know, posters that are, you know, guns, guts, and glory, you know, kind of made Stuff America like that. great. Stay yeah, out. It's, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's funny about it's that. It's an interesting part of the world. It is, uh, <laughs> you know, I would, I would say that Northeastern British Columbia is even right of El, uh, many parts of Alberta. Like if you go up to like Prince George and Chetwind and anything along Highway 16, there are, that is every bit as much like the perception we have of the Deep South in the U.S. Like, there's a lot of folks up there that are old school. Well, there's a difference between the Deep South and the U.S. and what we're talking about with West Virginia. I think what we're talking about with West Virginia has more to do with Daryl and your other brother, Daryl. Yeah, so hillbillies. Your other brother, Daryl. <laughs> that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting... There's Yeah, there's there's some interesting folks down there. All right. Good folks, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, well, <laughs> at what point this past year yes. did you start to get concerned about the plight of where the orders were headed? Really, it was coming out of Christmas. Yeah. 
that was that was the part of the year where the season got away. I think going into the Christmas break with a number of home games, I think it was six out of seven coming out of the Christmas something like holiday, that. something like that. And I feel like in that stretch they went one five and one. They had a real close call at Winnipeg. Remember a furious finish. They it was a great had, game. Had probably five or six cracks at in the last forty five seconds, and Winnipeg somehow hung on and won that game, and that dropped Edmonton back a game under five hundred, and they never got back to five hundred again. Yeah. After that, and that was, you know, that was the beginning. I, I mean, they put so much energy into that game, and you, you know, you just wonder whether, you know, one last block shot, maybe they get the tying goal, maybe they even get a point out of that game, and the next week or so turns out differently. It didn't, and that's where the season got away. So I was, I was thinking this is not going to go the Oilers' way by about January the fifth when they finished up that home stretch and they had a couple of losses. I, I think they finally salvaged it with a win maybe over Anaheim yeah. maybe the last game of the homestand but by then it was kind of too late it was weird Jack because you know uh, they they had such problems with uh, the special teams were bizarre I mean what's occurred here in the last two years has been yeah. nuts and I brought it up earlier in the show to think that when we were down in Anaheim when Lander got sent down at that time uh, and that was the third week of November I looked it up last night they were second in the league in 2016-17 in penalty killing Okay, second in it had nothing to do with Lander. It was Cam Talbot's save percentage was terrific. They finished 18th in 2016-17. So that tells you how much they slid from the end of November until the end of the season on PK. And they really didn't stabilize it until after the new year. You know, in in the in, seventeen eighteen season, yeah, and, and then just when the penalty kills started to come around, the power that's play. when the power play kind of fell off. And that's play. where I was going next. So you never had both special teams even respectable for any stretch of time. All season. You had one or the other that was just horrendous. And that combined with Cam Talbot's save percentage was hovering around 900 until I think February. Yeah. When he when he was until the penalty killing got better, right? The penalty killing got better, but I also thought I also think he started to play better the last two and a half months of the season. Yeah. He was back towards nine twenty as opposed to where he'd been sitting around nine hundred. So if you don't have the above average goaltending and special teams, you have a hard time winning in the NHL. Because actually, and here's the second part of it, because and and we've gone and. You know, there's been times we've discussed, you have to reference the analytics a little bit. The Oilers were a really good possession team until about middle of December, or even even towards late December. Like, until the Christmas break, the Oilers, at one point, I think the Oilers were number one in Fenwick and second in Corsi, and, you know, they were... They but were, they weren't getting anywhere near the saves they needed, right. and their penalty kill was historically... Bad. Right, and I mean sixty-six percent. I mean, it's like the it's like the guys that make the argument while well, the Oilers were, you know, they were only a forty-nine percent Corsi team in the mid-eighties. I'm like, did you see them play? Like they didn't need to be better. Like there's score effects that take place, and they'd be routing a team eight to three, and yeah, they get outshot twenty to seven in the third period, and still outscore you two one. Well, that's why many people overlook Grant Fuhr, right? Because they look at the you know goals against. Maybe he was giving up three and a half a game. Well. It's hard when you're a goalie and you got a 6-2 lead every night in the last 10 minutes 
you know, there, there's going to be a cheap one or two that yeah. flips by. I think when Grant Fear needed to play great, he always did. 3-1 uh, in Game 7 against Philly and the one nothing opener against the Islanders immediately come to mind. And by the way, uh, Making Coco, the documentary about Grant Fear is coming out here over the next month and we will have Grant on the show. We'll have Don Metz on the show. Uh, we'll work to get Adam Scorgi on the show as well. It's 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 really well done. It's a unique perspective. Have you seen it yet? I've I've just seen the. I, I've I only seen, seen like a trailer. Yeah, I saw. I, I Don, okay. Don showed me a trailer yesterday. Actually, nice it's down at uh, down at the. I was swung by the office for a few minutes. Um, so at for you it was because I you know I wanted to believe and and you know I you want to believe because. For, hey, make no mistake. We call a games. Obviously, when you're around the players, you you, and you're around the team, and you're employed by the team, you have a vested interest in the team's success. And there comes a point, unfortunately, where there reality. You know, it's not your year. And it was just one of those things. So, what can less be more, Jack? In terms of from your perspective, because there's no blockbuster moves. I mean, Brodsky, I can read it. It'll change the complexion of the penalty. Well, there wasn't really an option, Bob. Yeah. I mean, right. your your salary well, and, cap is what your what it is. Now, some might say if you didn't sign Koskinen for that price point, and I I have no I I want to be known. But right. in the grand scheme of things, that's small potatoes. That's not a. That's it's a not one like, year deal, right? He, he wasn't signed for a four year, twenty million dollar deal. Like, and and I have no idea how good he is, but I've got to trust that they're European guys. Well, he's had three. Three in a row, three consecutive really good years in the KHL. Right. Now, someone's, well, the KHL is in the NHL. Absolutely. That's fair. I mean, yeah. you go into every season with guys on your roster in certain areas that haven't proven they can do it every day at the yeah. NHL level. I mean, that's just a cold reality of the salary cap. Every team has five or six guys that they're counting on this year that haven't necessarily proven their stone-cold mortal locks to be in the National Hockey League for the next five years. And it's that, true. And that's the way the cap world works Absolutely. in this day and age. The days of Detroit having, you know, oh. outspending teams and carrying... You, you know, don't have 22 proven National Hockey okay. League players on your roster every year. So who's the bigger question mark and goal? Uh, Koskinen this year or Bressois last year? You have to think Koskinen's better based I on- would think Koskinen just with... There is... I mean, no offense to Laurent Bressois, but I think in, that, in the KHL and just traveling the gamut of what Koskinen is, I believe he's, what, a seven- or eight-year pro? Yeah. I mean, and there is something to that. Because he I, is a central figure to any kind of right. success. And I, I know there's not necessarily the respect or the knowledge for the professional leagues here in Canada. More people know major, junior, junior A than they do minor pro and some of the other professional leagues. But the bottom line is, is this guy's been a pro yeah. and has kind of gone, he's seen it all in the last seven or eight years. I mean, if you look at his career, he's well-traveled, and you know he's, he's won a championship in the KHL, and we know that there are less-than-ideal conditions with certain venues at the KHL. So, I mean, he's a hardened pro. And I think Laurent Brassois, you know, was not as battle-tested at the professional level that, that Koskinen is. Yeah. You can debate whether or not, well, Brassois had big game. He did have big game experience in Western Hockey League. That's part of being in the WHL. You're playing big games. But the fact is, he had an opportunity last year to seize right. the day. He simply did not no. do it. They were forced to make other moves. Defensively, uh, 
if you could, if you could theoretically maybe move a, well, let's, let's call it a, a bottom six forward that's got a little bit of money. So they got a couple guys, 1.5 to 2 million bucks in that range. Would you go get a defenseman at four? Four. I mean, really, we're we're getting into specifics here because we're saying, would you move a Cassian or Kajula with a pick if you could get Falk? Would you do something like that? If it was well, you? whoever you're going to bring in, you want a dimension to his game, right? Because that's the only reason you spend that kind of yeah. money yeah. is you want a guy that's going to bring something to the table. Yeah. Whether it's a guy that is extremely valuable on the power play, whether it's a guy with a nasty edge who you know, like like Adam Larson, that he still has a dimension, even though, well, what does he do well? What he does well is he gives you 22 to 24 fairly mistake-proof, relatively nasty minutes. That's a valuable the commodity the year, in the NHL. And at the end of the year, he's leading your defense in plus-minus. Right, every that's, a, that's another thing. His team's on the right. ice for more goals at even strength than so, the opposition. So what does he do? Well, I guess he plays defense in the National Hockey League. There, that is right. that is also a dimension. You know, it's when we say, "What are you looking for a dimension?" You're either you know a well-rounded, solid player, or you've got a weapon, a big shot, a designated penalty killer. You know, a power play transition yeah. guy. You've got something to your. You've got. Well, Falk has an offensive dimension. Absolutely. Too. So that would be a worth, and he's got a good shot. Now, was there a defenseman that looked worse against the Oilers all last season than Justin Falk? Well, that, that one game was. No, he had a, he, and he's had his tough moments. I mean, just. Yeah. But part of the reason I think Justin Falk has had some tough moments in Carolina is Bob, and I know it's not a market like Edmonton, but. He he's not like living in a bubble. He's known that for whatever reason the Hurricanes have him as a piece floating out there. He's constantly got uncertainty, and I think. And now he's got more than ever before because of Dougie Hamilton. But, and Brett but he's heard the whispers for the last year. We've heard whis when we're hearing them, they're there. Yeah. So he's hearing them. Yeah. And when you have that hanging over your head for two years, you know, coming off whatever he had a seventeen goal campaign, three years, fifteen plus goals. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that is a dimension. That can, for right. But also wears on you, and I think it leaves you more prone to some inconsistencies in your game because these guys, we have to understand that they've got lives too, and it is a disruption. Whether or not you think, oh, it's a big, big deal, he's moving out of Raw. Well, it is a big deal. That's his home. He's been there six, seven years. It's a big deal for him. Yeah. And when he's constantly here and he might be gone, yeah. that has an impact on you. I'm sorry. And you can say, well, he's making this kind of money. That's part of the deal. Well. Sure it is, but it's also part of the deal that he's a human being and he's going to be bothered knowing I'm I'm maybe the best defenseman on this team and you want to trade me? Why? Yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe now he's been a bit supplanted. When we come back, we'll talk yeah, about the other. Now. We'll talk about the other end of the equation on that because often it was Ryan Nugent Hopkins whose name was brought up with Justin Falk, given the Nugent Hopkins connection through cystic fibrosis. We do his event every year with Rod Brindamore, and that's where Nugent got connected to that. Is Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the precipice of having a breakthrough season? We'll get to that. Uh, this is Oilers now. This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Ched. 
It's 122 in Edmonton. Bob Starr with you. Jack Michaels is in the studio. Uh, tomorrow we'll have Stu McDonald from the Oilers organization down uh, to talk about a bunch of things around Rogers' uh, place and areas for well, what they're... Is he uh, off the IR yet? Uh, no, he's still banged up. He's, he's Still day-to-day? Yeah, he's, he's, he's got the cast going. Uh, so uh, Stu will be in tomorrow. He, he can text us some questions about the building. There have been some uh, modifications made already in terms of trying to continuously improve the product. Thursday, for our friends at Horse Racing Alberta, 7,000 Albertans, men and women, employed in the horse racing industry, Mark Spector will be in studio. Uh, Spec, we got some uh, hate texts. Most of them have been pretty positive, but Sam out of Westlock, listening to the show this morning, and the host and his guests have done nothing but complain about various NHL arenas, and now they've insulted the residents of northwestern BC, Alberta, and various parts of the U.S., implying that they are less sophisticated uh, than they are. Highly inappropriate, says Sam. All right, first of all, did we criticize any of the arenas on the road? Oh, Colorado, that was the one that... Oh, he just got a little squished there. but I think we complimented several U.S. and Canadian cities, and my only point, uh, there's this perception that BC's way out to the left... Not every part of British Columbia is way out to the left. So that's hey, the other thing, Sam, is I'm a proud Pennsylvanian, and if me saying Pennsylvania is better than West Virginia makes me a snob, then guilty as charged. Well, you know what? <laughs> I like Alberta. Sorry, more. I like Alberta more than Ottawa too. One I like Alberta better than BC. If that makes me an Alberta it, snob, I, and you know this, I I have. I'm you sorry. are not. You are not. Flo- you are not flying the Vancouver flag, are you? There are people. Oh, it's the. It's one of the most. I'm biased. I've lived in Canada during one period in my life. It happens to be here. Yeah, I would not trade Alberta for anything. I don't. I don't get. I don't get. Not a huge fan of Toronto. I, not a huge fan of Vancouver. I'm sorry. There you go. I'm right. I'm, there, I'm right there with you. Van- Toronto is. We don't get to stay in downtown Ottawa, so that's incomplete. Right. But we do stay in downtown. Edmonton, Winnipeg, no contest. Edmonton, Calgary, no contest. There you go. Now you're Sorry. Scoring. I mean, it's, I'm not trying to score points. I mean, these are facts. Right. Yeah. This is not my opinion. But Montreal I'm is... a smart person. And these are facts. <laughs> <laughs> so if that makes me arrogant and I'm running down other provinces or states, so be it. I'm hey, sorry. I don't like... Edmonton's better. I didn't like Montreal when Denny Coderre was the mayor. I didn't like the mayor of Montreal, but I love the city. I like Montreal. The problem is, whenever <laughs> we're there, it's... It feels ten times colder than Edmonton because it one it's cold and two it's wet. Yes, I mean, have we caught no. one decent day in Montreal? We've since never we've been played here? there. Yeah. In, the only time we played there in like early when when did uh, Davis get fired in St. Louis? The one year we were in Montreal when that oh happened. that was that was late October. The late October. Remember, but the, it was cold. Seven and seven. It was cold yeah. then too. Yeah, it was miserable. Yeah. We we have not gotten one decent day. The, I mean, is there anything better? Uh, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna right. get on my Edmonton bandwagon. Is there anything better than walking out? Do you have to run? after By a playoff? Way, do you have to run? Can you give us an extra fifteen minutes? Sure. Okay. Walking out after a playoff win in mid-May, it's plus twenty-five outside. After the game, it is still basically broad daylight. Yeah. Like, come on, city's pumping. Yeah, like, there's and that's you the, don't get that. I mean, it's beautiful. Hey, it's beautiful in other U.S. cities, but it's dark by 10. It's not dark by 10 in Edmonton. Well, Love it. 
That's what made celebrating those five Stanley Cups so incredible for the yeah. people that experienced that. More daylight. Absolutely. <laughs> More daylight to Winter celebrate. Winter loose, we still lose. 126 in Edmonton. You can text us at 630, 630. And I'm totally with you on Vancouver. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't get it. Grossly I, overrated. Now, Sorry. I, I've been there a lot during the summer because, as you know, all yeah. my sisters live out on the coast. And uh, now they're out in Vancouver Island. But still, it, I, I'm still not the Vancouver guy. Like, yeah. I just don't. I don't. And I, I respect, I really respected the Sedins, and and part of it might have been guys like Lapierre and uh, and to a lesser extent Kessler and BX, but there was something about the team I didn't like. Yeah, it's, well, when I first moved here, the Canucks were easy to hate. We have caught a few really nice days in Vancouver, right? And there, and when it is nice. It is nice in Vancouver, but my in my unscientific study, I think Edmonton has 250 days of sunshine, and Vancouver might have 60. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were going to say six. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to I'm going to be generous and say 60. And Toronto cannot hold a candle to Montreal, in my opinion, no. from a from a hockey perspective, no. in terms of what it means to lack community. Now, maybe it's the Raptors, maybe it's the Blue Jays, even though the Leafs are the dominant team. And they're going to have a good team, Jack. They are going to have a oh, good team. Oh, they'll be excited. They'll be an exciting team. They, they might lead the NHL in goals this year. They're going to be exciting to watch. They've got you know depth at center that might be unmatched in the National Hockey League. And they're a draw here. I mean, that... that the, we, we're, Roger, both, we're both wearing later hose. I know, I know. But Rogers Place will be... That will be a fun atmosphere. I, hey, I, I gave my tickets to that game to my brother-in-law. And he was texting us during our broadcast, which is my... This was last year. Yes, rule yeah. number one. You know I hate that. When, 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 you know, And it was like, because oh, it was three... It was not three nothing for the Leafs. Or, we can do the Toronto-Pitt swap again this year, if you'd okay, like. Well, Didn't we, might, we do that last year? Or was that two years ago? I think two years ago. That's did. a good deal. Because, yeah. I mean, you yeah. obviously have people hammer on your door for Toronto tickets. Right. And, of course, I'm hungry for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Which is your second favorite NHL team. And I don't Absolutely. Have, I don't know if I have one. Well, my family. Obviously, right. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I have one anymore. Like to, to me, it's sort of used to be Montreal used, back in the day. Sure, until Dave Hunter hit Gila Fleur. Who would I pick as your second favorite NHL team? I should know that. Texas at six thirty, six thirty. We're going to get to Nugent Hopkins when we return in Oilers now after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad.